Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I am your host, Naziati Muhammad Yaqob, on this podcast episode, which is a reading for half an hour and reviewing the contents of some of the pages in the beginning of the book entitled The Model and Its Architecture by Patrick Healy. There's about 200 pages in here, but this is, there is a purpose for this. One is actually preparing lecture notes and the understanding on the conceptual model and the preoccupation architects have with the model. And we're not talking a finished model of a, to, be, to be built. It's often that when we ask our students um, to, to come up with models, there are a lot of type of models that's to be considered, and especially the conceptual model. And this is something that would be very interesting for us to, to think about it. And I think this book could give some ideas on that. And by reading it, I hope that we could um, think about it, uh, how we would uh, assimilate um, the use of models in studio-based learning. Okay, I'm gonna start with the first page. In the publication of 1974, in Leiding taught model the grip. I think this is Dutch. Sorry to all those Dutch speakers there. Keith Bertels and Doda Nauta provided an account of the concept of model which displayed and continues to do so some of the difficulties of defining and approaching that concept. Some of the definitions current at the time of their writing were themselves exemplary of the complexity of and differences within the concept of the model. The notion of a model could mean an actual physical model that is an artifact such that its parts, their relations, and its working are suitably analogous to some other system. There was also the idea of a purely conceptual model, or what was called a merely conceptual model, which was the envisaging or the specification in words of an artifact as described without actually building it. Thus, a verbal description of an actual physical model could be called a conceptual model. This could also imply that there was an envisaging or specification in words of a system simpler in various ways than some other system which is, which, of which it is the model, simply simpler but not otherwise dissimilar, and further the tendency to call any theory whatsoever a model. Insofar as any theory tends to possess at least unwittingly, the features intended to characterize models in the simple specification of words functioning as a conceptual model. 
well, I hope you understand that. I, I could get the gist of it, of that first paragraph. A model could literally represent a system, and it's just that it's a smaller scale to the real system, for example, which is to be built. Another thing is that it merely represents what is the concept of something. It doesn't have to be exactly the same as what is going to be built, but it helps to it have some similar characteristics to assist with us understanding the concept of what is going to be built. Yeah, it's similar to what um, in a design process, I would, say, I would even say in the second year, at the beginning, the student could, could do a model just to, to have an idea of what they intend to, to do eventually, or they have something that is, uh, can describe exactly the system, meaning the wall system, the roof system, uh, the floor system, the circulation system, and so on. So there are two ways to go about it. Okay, I'll just read a bit more. Second paragraph. For the economist, Sumpeter, model building was nothing other than the conscious attempt at system, systematization of concepts and relations. The logician, Tarski, restricts the definition to the possible realization in which all valid sentences of a theory T are satisfied, and this is called a model of T. Okay, so yeah, I wanted to actually understand the relationship between theory and model. And here it is important, Sampata mentioned about concepts and relations, because in research, when we did our PhD, um, uh, we realized what is a theoretical model, sorry, a theoretical framework and a conceptual framework. And this is quite similar um, to thinking about in theory, there are many concepts and what are the relationship of those concepts that makes up the theory. So therefore you can draw out a model to represent that. That's what I understand from this sentence. The third paragraph. Eckhoff points to some of the complex linguistic usage of the term. The word model is used as a noun, adjective, and verb. And in each instance, it has a slightly different connotation. As a noun, model is a representation in the sense in which an architect constructs a small scale model of a building or a physicist, a large scale model of an atom. As an adjective, a model implies a degree of perfection or idealization as in reference to a model home or a model husband. As a verb, to model means to demonstrate, to reveal, to show what the thing is like. Okay, that is, I think it's very clear that paragraph to explain in terms of long, uh, linguistic usage of the term model. The fourth paragraph. Scientific models have all these connotations. They are representations of objects, states, events. They are idealized in the sense that they are less complicated than reality and hence easier to use for research purposes. From the latter point, Akov suggests that models are easier to manipulate than the real thing and that there is a process of abstraction in which only the relevant properties of reality are represented. This echoes the view of the material model in science 
as a representation of a complex system, system, which is assumed simpler and also to have properties similar to those selected for study in the original complex system. Yes, that, that, that is the paragraph and the abstraction to, with, uh, to put it down to a model uh, to understand the phenomenon or science um, is, um, is easier to comprehend rather than um, the complex system. Okay, I, I, I'm not really um, very good at this, but I sort of understand what it is. Let's go to the next paragraph. Perrin has recently showed that the work of Hertz and his publication, The Principium de Mechanique Inium Zusamsen Hang das Result. Oh my God, I have very bad pronunciation. Published in Leipzig in 1894, provided an account of the model and the image which is significant for Wittgenstein. Hertz suggests we form internal simulacra, inner shine builder for external objects in such a way that the necessary theoretical consequences of images build it. Are always images of the necessary and real consequences of the objects represented at get builden, Images permit on his account ability to anticipate future experience in a way that allows us to organize our current state on the basis of such anticipations, images are proleptic. Okay, there are many words that I don't understand, but I could see uh, simulation, the word simulation there. And um, which means that, uh, is it a, uh, something that I can have in my mind, an image, and, um, and that can be changed? Okay, I, I think something like that when they say images are proleptic. Okay, I'll go to the next one. We see how far we can go with this. Um, yeah, um, reading and understanding the text. Hertz defines his concept of image model in the following terms. A mechanical system is called a dynamic model, model in bracket. If the connections can be represented by coordinates which satisfy the following conditions. Number one, the number of coordinates of the first is equal to the number of the other. Number two, that if one establishes an appropriate correlation, bracket Zordman, between the coordinates, the same condition equa equations are valid for both systems. Number three, the measures of displacement in the systems coincide when one adopts this correlation. What is of further interest is that this is close to the idea of image in the Tractatus of Wittgenstein, in that the image of a model of what it depicts and which requires the same multiplicity as that which it shows. The essential point is not the question of resemblance but what in mathematical terms is referred to as isomorphism, which binds the image and the fact, what is equally significant is that the essential is not to copy this, but to model it. Thought then can be a method of projection which utilizes the proposition 
and in Hertz conception thoughts are also a dynamic model of reality. Even if thought is without color, sound or spatiality, it still depicts the state of affairs. Wow, I mean, um, I'm thinking about isometrics. I mean, I'm thinking about drawing and, um, and that there are some rules here, number one, two, three, um, which is mathematical and using coordinates. Yeah, it might, as someone who studied architecture and understand about graphic communication and students have to uh, draw something um, within, and they draw without color, sound or spatiality, still that thing counts because it shows a state of affairs. Now, um, that is the beginning of it, isn't it? When we look at the drawing that the students, or myself, I do, we could actually, if I am the person who is drawing it, it will emerge suddenly, but it will first emerge without color, sound or spatiality. But that is some, those things, those three things will come later or it can come simultaneously. But when you break it down or the essential parts of it, um, it doesn't really matter who is viewing that, that drawing, they could interpret it in a different way, but that's how it's represented. So I think that's what it says, really. Um, you know, uh, I haven't checked these words. I haven't Googled them. I'm just thinking about them from my point of view. So um, that's how I think about it. We see how much we can go on with this. Um, this is the next paragraph. Some of the wider implications of the role of models and analogies in science have been studied by Giuseppe Del Rey. He argues that models fall into two categories, which he calls the mathematical slash physical model. The mathematical model is an essential tool for the cognition of things, not directly accessible to the senses. Mm -hmm. Physical models are objects which belong to the world directly accessible to direct experience. Okay, that's clear, isn't it? Physical models are objects which belong to the world directly accessible. Okay, direct experience, I'm repeating that. They are often constructed ad hoc and possibly idealized. They served as a reference for analogies which appear to be indispensable in most aspects of scientific theorizing, especially for the sub-microscopic levels of reality. In that sense, they provide an argument for structure and shape as characteristic molecular properties. Indeed, Del Rey accepts the claim that a sapient use of models is an essential trait of Galilean science in the sense that models are then taken as tools of scientific thinking, performing often the role of Gedanken experimenter. Physical models are tools of descriptive analog analogical functional thinking, whereas mathematical models in the main are tools of argumentative 
analogical thinking. Mm. Mm. Okay, I think this is one of the paragraphs is um, much more clearer to me um, in the assertion by Giuseppe Del Rey, um, mathematical and physical model. The first is for cognition of things, for us to think about, but not directly accessible to the senses. So when we do um, a physical model, we would have direct experience of it. Um, student of architecture could do a model and we could imagine ourselves being in it and sensing it. And the mathematical model earlier is more analogous. So um, it may, it may uh, be representing something, but the experience we don't know. So um, it could be interesting. Maybe this is what Eisenman does. So I'm just speculating here. So we're gonna go into a few more paragraphs. So basically we're, we're reading uh, three pages of this. Del Rey wants to in inquire as to the way in which physical models provide images. Science selects patterns of events and treats, treats them as identical real entities that differ only by accidental details. For example, Del Rey points out that the statement that ammonia and hydro hydrochloric acid react to give ammonium chloride is true when one understands that the subject to three limitations. First, that it refers to pure substance. Second, there is no introduction of time evolutional process. And third, it does not describe details of actual experiment. Science works, oh, sorry. From this, he concludes that the physical world of science is not the real world. Ooh, yeah. Science works with the word with a world of shadow types, quote, a copy of the world of sens sensible experience in which only standard objects, bra uh, bracket types, are admitted. He concludes that one meaning of a model in science is an appeal to shadow types under consideration. In that sense, Max Weber's, quote, ideal types could also be considered as an as effective scientific models. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, architecture, those dealing with architecture and those trying to do an argument like Patrick Healy is doing now. He has to read a lot, isn't it? So it's very well that he did because then he just put them in this paragraph and we could think about it. Now I'm going to read four more paragraphs and that will be the end of um, reviewing the first three pages of this book by Patrick Healy. The second aspect of the image provided is that it stabilizes and uses analogy to indicate what is under inspection. In the science ladder notion of the physical world, that is a world which extends from the intergalactic gas cloud to planets such as Mars, the Pacific Ocean, the Himalayas, an ecosystem, the Schwarzwald, 
a whale, an oak tree, a human being, a bee, a microscopic mite, DNA molecules, hydrogen atoms, photons, and a neutron. The issue of direct access to reality seems to extend from infinity to infinity. Wow. Yeah, so um, it's interesting. I'm just taking it all in because it's something new to me entirely. Next paragraph, the, a, molecule, a molecule cannot even be seen by simple magnification because it is smaller than the wavelength of visible light. So what we call an image obtained by scanning tunnel microscopy, microscopy is a theoretical construction based on formal similarity between matter and light waves. Each object belongs to one size level, whereas different complexity levels are present in any given object. Del Rey makes then the observation that knowledge based on analogies with ad hoc objects, possibly artificial as in the string ball model of molecules, indicates how important analogies are in that they enable the expression of abstract concepts and processes. Or oh, I think I have to go ahead and touch on analogy when I explain this to my students. There are a lot of keywords here and we could browse these keywords and, and present uh, what we want from the students in terms of the use of models. It could be helpful to explain um, this exercise that we want students to do. So the next paragraph is the interrelation between real size, direct access, and the physical model belonging to the direct access level for one. Direct access level one, for example, assumes that atoms exist, which are visualized as tiny spheres, and elements are then assumed to be made of identical atoms. Pure substance is then defined in terms of elements, Molecules are assumed to be groups of atoms and visualized as a cluster of spheres and so on and so forth. In his consideration of the materiality of molecular modeling, Eric Franker has further suggested that the practice of physical molecular model modeling is rather simple. What molecular modeling involves is production of and use of three-dimensional structures that render more or less to scale the spatial position of atoms or groups of atoms in a molecular structure, as well as the bonds between them. Most molecular models are assembled from commercially available modeling kits, which has led to the proliferation of conventions and tools. There has been in Franker's view, a move from representation in scientific practice to representation as scientific practice. This is so true, you know, in COVID-19 pandemic, we have the, um, the, the drawing representation model of um, the virus, which helps people to actually imagine about, about the virus and also sort illustrations of what's happening to a person when they contract the virus and 
it really helped. And this is what it is, really, when you set representation in scientific practice to representation as scientific practice. This is exactly what it is, scientific practice and the use of representation, which is scientific practice. This is how we work and we get information. Yeah, you know, when you, the drawings of molecules, when we studied this in our O levels at the age of 16, we were, we were, um, we were introduced to this understanding of molecules and atoms. And often, I mean, I, I'm sure that you've been thinking about it, what exactly are the, how the atoms, the real structure of atoms that we cannot see. And now you have nanotechnology or microscopic sort of photographs, images that you can blow up to how many times the size. And we can see, um, uh, you know, even something that we cannot see with our naked eye that we can see now represented for us. Yeah, this is what you say about representation as a scientific practice. So I would stop there for the first session and um, we'll continue with it later. But there are a lot of things after this, which we talk about synth synthetic representations and there's this uh, a DNA structure. And this is a very interesting book. Nietzsche, they talk about Taplin Tower and you know, it could be worth reading further from here into the next, the next um, episode. So I, I consider that and um, to share with everyone there. This is not a book that you can easily find. I got this in Rotterdam. Uh, and yes, thank you so much for listening in and, um, and uh, being introduced to this book. Um, and so the, the first, three pages of what is being explained by Patrick Healy. Thank you for listening in. See you again.